Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Anish Gupta. And I'm your co-host, Srikara Jendern. And we're back, and this time we've got a lot to talk about. This isn't like one of those dead weeks. It's right after the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was a fun one. This one was crazy, crazy exciting. I mean, the first 10 picks, Srikara and I went live, and we were like, okay, it's kind of standard. It's just how it's going to be. And then, oh, my God, the top, the next 10 11 through 20, there were just trade after trade after trade, blockbuster move after blockbuster move. So we're going to get into as much as we can. Uh, and obviously, you know, Shrikar and my teams didn't really do too much that was notable in the draft. I guess, you know, we could say maybe the Niners didn't trade Debo uh, and like the Browns waited and got, you know, a defensive tackle and Perry on Winfrey. But let's be real. Most of the NFL world is not ready to hear that the Browns did that and signed a kicker. So we're going to talk about uh, some hey, actual notable. Yeah, Chase. And hey, don't forget, we released Chase McLaughlin. We got a guy by the name of Blewett, Chris Blewett. I forget what team had him last year, but uh, um, was it Washington. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was. Thinking. Yeah, Washington. So we have a guy named Blewett as our kicker. So hopefully he doesn't blow that job. Uh, but let's start off with like actually, you know, something re relevant to the draft. We're going to go with like favorite pick, uh, you know, a pick that we really liked. Um, so I'll let Shrikar start. Uh, I'll give you a quick hint. I don't like it because it's mainstream, but it, you know what? I'll let him go through with it. Yeah, it is, but it's something that, you know, I've kind of covered for the majority of the offseason, and it's Malik Willis to the Titans. And if we recall correctly, in our last episode... Um, we got to put that clip in there. That was we'll lit. We'll try to fit we in the clip. Exactly. So, yep, we called yeah. it. We thought the Titans would take a quarterback, and they did. They got too. And they got, yep, they traded up and they got, in my opinion, the best quarterback prospect in the entire draft, Malik Willis. He spent two years on the bench at Auburn. He transferred to Liberty, where he obviously showcased tremendous arm strength and athleticism. He was thought to be a first round pick by many people, but he went at number 86 overall to the Titans. They can develop him behind Ryan Tannehill. And we'll talk about it later because it's in our slate of topics. But if Malik Willis turns into what his ceiling is, I think this will be the best pick in the 2022 draft. I will go on record saying that. Well, I mean, I so to go back to our take, Shrigar had it being Malik Willis. I had it being Sam Howell. Uh, and we also, we called this in the first round. So we're not going to say we got it exactly right, but we did say, you know, they would trade up and they did. It was just maybe two rounds later. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm not as high as Malik on Malik Willis as these uh, as Jack and Shrikar are mainly Shrikar, but uh, I do agree Malik to the Titans is actually a good fit. I will say that, uh, and obviously to get him in the third round, I think is pretty good value, especially a pick 86. But I will say this: if he if guys are falling this far, right? NFL scouts aren't in consensus then that they. I feel like for these quarterbacks, aside from Pickett. NFL scouts really didn't think that these quarterbacks could be true, you know, NFL impact guys. So I guess that was the consensus, but the Titans, why not take a flyer in the 86 pick? Like there's really no downside to doing that. And obviously this staff has worked with guys like Marcus Mariota before Ryan Tannehill. Don't get me wrong. Yes, he is a pocket passer, but he was a former college receiver, right? So he is a mobile guy. Uh, and now you get in Malik Willis, who can kind of maybe learn how to progress through reads like Ryan Tannehill can do. I think it's a great fit. 
Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite pick. I'm saving a lot of the ones because when we talk about other teams in the draft, so this is just going to be the only time we really talk about them, uh, but it's going to be Jahan Dotson to the Washington Commanders. I think people are overreacting to Washington not taking a safety, right? Like obviously trading back and not taking Kyle Hamilton. I think Cam Curl has all the upside in the world. I think he's a way better hitter than Kyle Hamilton. Uh, I think he's a better box safety. And yeah, Kyle can be better, you know, sideline to sideline in terms of coverage, but um I think Cam Curl overall at least has shown his upside in the NFL. Uh, and I think Washington really needed a receiver. I think this goes to show it's a make or break year for Carson Wentz with, you know, the guys that they have on roster. I think Jahan Dotson is a perfect guy to put it Y alongside Terry McLaurin. And then you got Curtis Samuel in the slot. So I'm all for what, you know, Washington did and they got some assets back with it. Um, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I think Jahan Dotson was another guy that I gave a first round grade to in terms of receivers. So Sure, they might have taken him over a guy that I liked a little bit more, like Traylon Burks, uh, who I believe was the last receiver to go uh, in the first round. Uh, but I'm happy with what Washington did in, in that perspective. And then obviously they followed it up with Sam Howell. But uh, we're just focusing on you know one selection. And I was a big fan of the Jahan Dotson pick. I didn't mind that pick either. I feel like people went a little bit too crazy over it. Because if you think about it, for one, like you said, they they instead of trading up for a receiver like the Saints and the Lions, did they trade back? Right. Um, and, you know, Jahan Dotson was one of those guys that was in the conversation with a Traylon Burks as someone who could, you know, go in the first round. He was a very late riser. So I, I really don't mind the pick. I, I think, again, he'll fit Ron Rivera's offense and it should be exciting to see how he uses him there. And obviously it's helpful for your boy, Carson Wentz. Uh, we'll it see what happens there or Sam Howell, you know, whichever. I'm not implying anything, but it'll be interesting to see how he's used in this offense. Yeah, and I, I think there was kind of a consensus actually out there. People see this just goes to show the media is very, they're not kept in touch with what goes on. So I have a couple of fr uh, friends at the office and they know uh, some guys within the Falcons and the Jets inner office and the Falcons knew they were taking Drake London throughout. So the whole Garrett Wilson was in a complete smokescreen. Uh, and I know one of the guys who helped make the call, uh, for like sauce Gardner with the jets, like they, these get, these teams knew what they were doing, right. They have a board out there. So for, you know, people in the media, cause you know, now I'm kind of on both sides. And what I'm learning is like, people have their boards really kept a secret. You really don't know what other teams are thinking and they think very differently. So to say, you know, consensus, this guy's a consensus, you know, first overall selection or a consensus best prospect, that may not be the same thing across, you know, teams. So I think that's one thing people need to know, especially with the NFL draft. Uh, but, you know, let's get kind of more into the stuff that the beefy stuff. So we're going to start off obviously with the AJ Brown trade. I, I that was a huge shock. I think um, we weren't live, but I, I like I literally saw it and I was like, oh, my God. And I literally immediately went to the chat and I was like, oh, my God, AJ Brown's an eagle. And then, you know, my roommates hear me like, dude, why are you yelling? And I'm like, dude, a top 10 receiver literally just got traded uh, into a great place. Um, Philadelphia, you saw how excited Hurts and Brown were. And you're getting, you know, AJ Brown on one side, Devontae Smith on the other. And if you want to keep Jalen Rager in the slot, I don't mind it. That's that's a dangerous core in Philly. So I'll ask you this, Shrikar, maybe, you know, initial thoughts on the trade because, you know, we can talk about it from both sides. But let's look at it this way. Do they have the Eagles really caught up with the Cowboys? Oh, I definitely think they have. Okay. Um, Howie Roseman clearly was not content with last year's surprise playoff berth. I'm sure he heard all the noise. And, you know, Roseman had arguably the best weekend of anybody. Um Obviously, we had that shocker on Thursday night. It's just caught us all by surprise. Signed into a four-year, $100 million extension. $57 million is going to be guaranteed. 
And then he bolstered his defense with a pair of Georgia Bulldogs. He went with Jordan Davis and a Kobe Dean. And Dean, in my opinion, is a steal. He fell about, you know, like 60 picks because of an injury that was really not career threatening. So I do, I definitely do think the Eagles have more than enough to challenge the Cowboys this season. Uh, and speaking on this from the Titans angle, Tennessee sending AJ to Philly is, it just opens up a lot of potential problems for a team that, last year was the one seed in the AFC because right now the Titans are, you know, removing their best weapon in the passing game and replacing him with a rookie in Traylon Burks while moving on from Julio Jones. And obviously they got Robert Woods, but he's coming off a torn ACL. So I think Mike Vrabel, he is going to be betting very heavily on a rebound season from Derrick Henry. He missed nine games last year with a foot injury if Henry falters, I'm not betting in on, on it to happen or anything, but if it does happen, you know, suddenly the offense is on two receivers in a new system. You got one that's a rookie, one that's currently rehabbing, and, you know, an underwhelming group as a whole to help Ryan Tannehill lead Tennessee to another AFC South crown. And there are those people that are going to say, you know, the Titans are only copying what franchises like the Packers and the Chiefs did. There's a key difference here. Tannehill isn't Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's going to elevate those around him. And he's also not making the same kind of salary of those two. But anyways, Tennessee, you know, they could have paid Brown and kept their best receiver, but instead they took a big gamble here. We'll see how it works out. But in the short term, it's a risky play right now. I would say the Eagles are the clear winners here. I'm not so sure in that retrospective trade that they're the clear winners i think both teams benefit actually and let's start off first with the eagles though i think you get uh, jordan davis was a great pick i think he's gonna you know play alongside fletcher cox who's getting up there in age uh obviously the eagles were kind of in a you know mixy you know murky situation to bring him back they eventually did um now in regards to the aj brown trade now listen you give him 25 mil annually again i hate how the receiver market is going i really just don't agree with it at all uh and for the titans look Traylon burks's comp you know in the mainstream media was aj brown and yes i do see it uh personally i think like heinz ward would have was a way cooler comp in my opinion but obviously the media is not going to compliment me for that um but look for the titans here, here's my thing, and I'm not, I'm not too mad at what they did, especially because I was hoping that they took Traylon Burks with that 18th pick. This is a guy who plays very similar, and if you look at their division, they don't really have top tier corners. Sure, Stephon Gilmore, but like, let's be real, he's kind of up there in age, and I think Kenny Moore is going to be their ex cornerback. So, um, I think this is a really big opportunity for him to just show out his rookie year, right? He's going to get all the targets in the world. It's going to get all, give him all the confidence because that really is what it is in the NFL for these rookies. I think he's going into a good situation, a stable coaching staff. Mike Vrabel is always going to keep his team in it. This is a team who's had nine or more wins in the last five years. Okay, so this is still a really stable organization. Uh, they brought in Austin Hooper. I think Robert Woods will probably play on the outside with uh, Westbrook Kikini rotating with Traylon Burks out the slot. So I'm not actually mad at what the Titans did. I, and they save a lot of money because Ryan Tannehill's contract too, right? It's kind of holding them there. But once they get rid of that, right? You're talking about a lot of cap room for a team that's still got a lot of players on both sides of the ball. I'm not too mad at it. I think that money that for AJ Brown can definitely go towards more positions of need, like O-line, uh, definitely some people in the back end. I, I'm actually okay with what the Titans did. Right, but then there, you know, kind of depends on what Tennessee does with it. But I'll say this. He is comp to A.J. Brown, and I do agree. I see similarities in both of their play styles. But 
just because he's going to fit that role and just because he plays like him doesn't mean he's going to be him. It doesn't mean that, but I think you get a a guy who has at least been a receiver one before and shown production, right? That's another thing. It's one thing to draft to have upside. It's another thing to have both. He has both production and upside. And you're going to give him, you're going to feed him. Like you're going to give him a lot of targets. Like that's just how in that offense, that's going to be, it's how it's going to be. It was kind of the same thing with Jamar Chase. We knew he was going to get touches. I'm not saying Traylon Burks is going to be Jamar Chase. Please don't think that. But with these rookie receivers, volume is very key. Justin Jefferson got volume. Odell Beckham got volume. Jamar Chase got volume. So if these rookie receivers are going to be the number one guy in their offense, they are going to receive targets. And obviously, as you mentioned with Derrick Henry, the Titans are already a run first offense who thrive off play action. So, right, but then what if, as I said, what if Henry falters then? No, well, they went seven and two without him. And that was with AJ Brown and Julio injured. So like that's what I'm saying. Like they, they, they'll be fine. I trust their coaching staff. I think they are. I trust a stable organization like this. I really don't think they were a loser in this one. I think both teams benefited. Uh, and for the Eagles though, there's going to be some added pressure on Jalen Hurts. Now you have two guys on the outside that can really separate and get, uh, you know, the ball in space and make plays with it. So this is a kind of a make or break for Jalen Hurts, right? Like you made, made the playoffs. You've got to do it again. If you've made it last year with what you had, you got to do it this time. And you're not going to be able to play that many non-playoff teams next year. You're going to have a harder schedule. Exactly. So let's see. But I, back to my question to you, I'm going to say, I think the Eagles and Washington got better. And I think the Cowboys got worse over the off season. They so I, I when so I had a hot take on our TikTok saying the Cowboys would finish third in their division. I really don't think it's becoming more and more realistic. I let's I think I'll just say the gap is closed significantly. Like That's, there's again, there's it's the NFC East, so there's always no real clear cut, you know, right. favorite. Right. And especially here, like it's it's very murky. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna transition then, you know, keep it cool like we did since we did talk about the speaking of the NFC East, we're gonna go to the New York Giants, the one team we didn't talk about, and then we're gonna talk about the New York Jets, two New York teams who obviously shared the brightest stage in the top ten and both nailed their picks, I think, right? Um I'll let you maybe recap what the Jets did and what the Giants did. Obviously, we know what they did. The Jets took Jermaine Johnson and picked 26. They took Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. And then the Giants took Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. So why don't you go ahead? I mean, you think about the past decade, the Jets and Giants have just had New York in so much pain for that all that time. But on Thursday night, I feel like they've you know both rekindled hope. And obviously, as you said, at the, the Jets landed – three top-end prospects, and Big Blue obviously got Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, which is a really, really good haul for Joe Shane, who's a first-time GM, arguably the two most talented players in the entire class. I've seen people argue it. Um, And obviously for Joe Douglas, it was all about helping Zach Wilson and also bolstering Robert Sala's defense. I think he did a good job of doing that there. Just great classes to to basically jumpstart two franchises that were down in the dumps. So to Joe Shane and Joe Douglas, the two Joes in New York, tip my cap off to you guys. I, I think it was, I think it was great. Agreed. I mean, so in my mock draft, I I'd, I'd heard that there was buzz that the Jets were deciding between Sauce and Jermaine in pick four, and I didn't see the latest thing that they were locked in on Sauce when we had our mock draft competition. So I put Jermaine at four. Uh, literally at the fourth overall pick, I put Jermaine Johnson. He ended up going at twenty six, but. I thought when the Jets traded up, I think we all knew, you know, once he went past uh, Dallas and Baltimore, 
he was getting selected right then and there. And obviously Jets fans are excited, even though they're going to finish fourth in the division again, uh, which is funny to me. But uh, uh, I like the picks. Uh, I think Sauce and Garrett. Garrett was my number one receiver, including injuries. Excluding it was JMO, but including injuries, it was number one. So I thought that was a good pick. And then for the Giants, my only thing I would have said was, why didn't you take Kayvon at seven? Because you know the Panthers weren't getting him, so you would rather have that choice between the three tackles then go Kayvon. Well, maybe because they I think, were worried. I think on the flip side, maybe they were worried that, that the Panthers, Panthers could take Kayvon. Yeah. So let's right. get Kayvon now. We're no, fine. Well, the, Evan Neal, we'll take him at seven. Panthers were not. No, Panthers were not taking with the edge talent that they have. They weren't. I think the only thing that I, I was thinking that. was the Panthers trade back and someone were to leapfrog them to take That's, Kayvon. Yeah, maybe that would have been a possibility. That was the only thing. But I think, and I look, Evan Neal. I think is the best tackle. I think Iki Okwano is the best O lineman, if that makes sense. Because I think if Evan Neal doesn't succeed at tackle, you can't put him anywhere else. But Okwano has more versatility. versatility. So, you know, maybe you could have done something like that. But otherwise, I'm I'm okay with. It. I think the Giants nailed it. They got their two guys who are going to make immediate impact on the, again, the place that wins you games, the Lions of scrimmage. So, again, New York teams, hats off to you. Uh, and then we're gonna switch it to another kind of East Coast team. See how it transitions. Um, the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really don't want to praise them. It really hurts to say. They get a quarterback. They get the only quarterback to be picked in the top like. Like three, it was the top three, top 73. There you go. Yeah, yeah, because pick 74 was Ritter. Yeah, so in the top 73 picks, it's the law, I think the second longest in the common draft era. Only one quarterback went, and it was Kenny Pickett, uh, literally from down the hall, uh, from the University of Pitt. I'm gonna start us off on this one. Uh, I love the pick. I, Kenny Pickett was my quarterback one. And I, or well, uh, Pickett Howell, like I was torn in terms of like, you know, what I liked, but Pickett was the perfect selection here. And here's why. Look, for everybody who's saying the Steelers should have gone with, with Malik Willis, let's look at their roster right now. They have a championship level defense, okay? They have great personnel on the offense with Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson out the slot, Claypool, and now George Pickens, right? And Pat Fryermuth. And they use the rest of their picks to kind of bolster the O line a little bit. Why the hell would you get a guy who's so boomer bust right now? No, but the up, what is the upside going to do for you in three years when you have to pay all these defensive guys and your offensive guys? What is the upside? How far, how high is Kenny Pickett's ceiling? So that's my point though, for their offense, what they just needed is a guy who can at least get the ball to them because you don't need a guy who's going to drop 30, 40 points. You just need a guy who's less turnover prone and is going to win you games like that. How do the Steelers win their games? That win you Super Bowls? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. With the Steelers defense, I I think they will. I If you can keep games with like 20 to 16, 20 to 19, stuff like that. In the playoffs, I agree. I think it falls down to the offense and I think you're going to need enough offensive upside like that. But to say Kenny Pickett can't score points, I completely disagree with. This isn't a guy who's like, who has no offensive ceiling. That's just not true. He's the best quarterback at progressing reads out of anyone in this draft. And sure, the upside with Malik Willis is there, but the work you'd have to do on him as a passer, it's way more than guys like Jalen Hurts, who still needs to work on it, right? Like Malik Willis is way less polished than Jalen Hurts. I don't think you guys realize when he played power five competition, he would have three interception games, zero touchdowns like that. That's really bad. And I think NFL scouts saw that and said, okay, he's not ready for the NFL competition. And sure, he has all the traits, and I will give you that. 
but the Steelers do not want to spend their time garnering and training a uh, training quarterback when they have a team that's really good right now. And I think Pickett offers all the stability in the world. He's not going to throw, you know, four picks and mess up what your offense is doing. He's a guy that can take these 16 play drives and make it work. So I'm glad with the pick. I think it's a slam dunk. And sure, he's similar to Trubisky, but he's way, first of all, he doesn't have as much overstride. Second, his accuracy is better outside the pocket. And third, he's more mobile. So I'm okay with the Kenny Pickett thing. I, obviously, you know, there is some hope with Malik Willis, but I'm just going to say it right then and there. I don't think Malik Willis hits the ceiling, which is what everyone's thinking is a, you know, bona fide, better Russell Wilson. That's just, I don't see that. I don't. So... I'll let you take it over. Obviously, I know you're going to disagree, but I think for what I've said, this is what the Steelers do. This is how they play their football. They've never had a mobile, crazy quarterback, so I'm fine with what they did. Yeah, I'm not even going to bring Willis into it. I'm only going to talk about Pickett. I'm only going to talk about Pittsburgh. As we said before, Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback selected in the top 73, let alone the first round. And honestly, it begs the question for me of, you know, whether Pittsburgh drafted solely on need and abandoned their board, because it's hard to believe Pickett was ranked that far ahead of the other quarterbacks. And for the Steelers, Kevin Colbert is retiring soon, and he's leaving the franchise with a potential franchise quarterback. Last time we saw this was with Baltimore when Ozzie Newsom retired and he gave them Lamar Jackson. If this works out, which you know I'm never going to rule out, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is set up for what, like 10 to 15 years. But it just seems like a reach to me and uh, just a large leap of faith. Who knows? Maybe Pickett can prove me wrong, but honestly, I'm just I'm not a Kenny Pickett guy. I it's, he can he Most can start week one. is not, but the, like, but he why not? Start, he can start week one, but I just tell me what's wrong with him. I'd like, rather bank on upside rather than I would not I think not be a game manager. Fun. Look at the Steelers' history. Look at the Steelers' history, right? When have they had a quarterback like that? They've had good, stable pocket passers that will do you no wrong. Terry Bradshaw. Well, Big, Big ben, ben could move around until so can pick it. Later years. His best play last year was a literal 54-yard run where he faked a slide. So it's not like the dude cannot move. He is, and look, for him to have five-year experience. He's going in this knowing different coverages, different college teams, different college schemes. He's seen it all. Like he's a five-year starter. That's that's really big. And I think for the Steelers, that's what you need right now. You don't need you don't need to spend your time trying to build up this quarterback. You need to spend your time making sure the defense is right and making sure that you can score points with the players you have. Focus on building up guys like Chase Claypool, getting Deontay Johnson better. Now you have George Pickens. I think I think Pickett to Pickens is going to be really good. And as a Browns fan, I'm scared because now we don't have a guy in Malik Willis who's really similar to Mar- Lamar Jackson, which is really easy to game plan for. It's not. Now you have a guy who's similar to Joe Burrow, right? But is as ex- but is more experienced. So that like, this was the best ACC player last year in the entire conference, right? He was a Heisman finalist. He's the only Heisman finalist out of the quarterbacks who's ever even been one. Um, I and he's the only one that's actually had true bona fide NFL product level production. Uh, I'm I'm all for this pick. I'm not gonna go out and on a limb and say he's gonna win him a Super Bowl, but I think if out of all the quarterbacks out there, he gives the Pittsburgh Steelers the best chance. I think and he's gonna start. I think he's gonna start week one. I don't know if you. He's gonna start week. I'm. I'm hoping he does. I wouldn't mind if Trubisky does, 
But I will say this. I think I think Pickett's ready to go. I'll say I think I think he's the most NFL ready guy. I think that's yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of the consensus thing, yeah. just because like I mentioned, right? Five year starter in the NFL. But I'll I'll go on record. I think he continues the Steelers uh winning season streak. I if he's the week one starter, I say he continues it. And look, I think he's the best court. I think he would out of all the quarterbacks drafted, I think he has the best season. Out of any one of them, I don't know. Well, only reason I don't know about that is because I'm gonna. I have to check their schedule. I don't know how easy right. stuff it is, but I mean, no, it's gonna be hard. You have to play the AFC North AFC, team, so and then you have to play the second place team. So I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna, you know, cap or anything. Like it's gonna, it's gonna be a tough road. But I like the pick. Obviously, I like it more than Shrikar does, and I think Kenny Pickett was by far and away the right selection for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, whereas the Titans should have taken Malik Willis. And I think that's a good fit. The NFL is a lot about situations. And I just don't think the Steelers staff was ready to have to train Malik Willis. And I'm so on board with that. Uh, let's kind of switch it up. Let's go on to, you know, another thing that I guess we kind of expected and predicted just at pick 16, not pick 11. Uh, it was the first trade of the NFL draft. It was the Saints giving up a decent amount for Olave. I'll let Shrikar get into the, some of the trade details. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, first trade in the draft, Chris Olave, the third receiver to go off the board. Second Ohio State, they go back to back. That's my guy, one of my favorite Ohio State players ever. Uh, so I'll let Shrikar go start off. You know, what do you think? And do you think the package was too much? Well, I'll preface this by saying nobody makes bigger trade-ups for non-quarterbacks than Mickey Loomis. He has just a long history of this dating back to 2018. He gave up a future first round pick. He went from, I believe, 27 to 15 or 16, 14, something like that. Davenport, right? Take Marcus Davenport. I think it was 14. And this year, between his trades with the Eagles and Commanders, Loomis moved 16, 98, 101, 120, and 237, along with future first and second round picks to take Chris Olave. If Olave isn't an all-pro caliber player, I'm going to say it, that's a significant mistake because New Orleans is now, I wouldn't say in a box, but they're a little bit, you know, kind of lagging move, moving forward because they don't have a long-term quarterback. Jameis Winston is cool, but I don't know if he's the future and, you know, you got no cap space. So they gave up a fortune for Chris Olave. Uh, I really hope Olave pans out. That's all I'll say. Well, first of all, it was for Olave and Penning, right? Because yeah, that was and then Penning, like Penning. Yeah, so I don't like the Penning pick. Uh, I'm that was my argument for that was one of the guys for least we were gonna potentially do a least favorite pick. That was probably gonna be mine. Again, I, I've gone back and forth with people on like our TikTok about this too. He does not fit their scheme. He is a power run scheme. The Saints do not run that. He's too physical. He's too grabby, and it's it's too many holding penalties that you just do not want to have to deal with. Um, but for Chris Olave, I will say this. You mentioned the cap space. Think about it, though, right? The things that they gave up, all those picks, they don't have to pay those players. So they they really just I, – I It's you're still getting. cheap. It is still cheap, but it it's guys that you might have to pay in the long run. And, you know, look, I agree that, you know, trading up to 11 was a little bit iffy. But if you look at the rest, how the rest of the draft went – Guys did get taken, right? Like JMO got taken at 12. Uh, Jahan Dotson got taken at 16. So it's not like Olave was for sure going to be there. Uh, and I think Olave is going to be a great fit in this offense. I think that was a consensus, you know, Saints pick that I had in my mind. Uh, and I think it's a good pick. Sure, the expectations are going to be there and people are going to mention the packages that they gave up. 
I'm just really disappointed in the penning pick from the Saints, to be honest. I thought, I mean, obviously with the tackles left, he was probably the best that one available, but he just wasn't for the Saints. Like, I, I just don't know if he's going to be, you know, a plug and play left tackle who's going to go crazy to start off. Again, I'm just too, you know, angry at the scheme fit and then again, his kind of traits. But look, that goes to he's a really good blocker. Like, I, I'm don't get me wrong. Uh, but I just don't know if he was the right fit for the Saints. But I think the package for Olave was a lot, especially for Penning too, because these guys have to, as you mentioned, have to be high impact players right away. Uh, but to say that the you know the Saints lost, it's not going to be a loss if these guys. Well, no, well. yeah, if Olave pans out, it's not a loss. And, and Penning, Penning, yeah, just because Penning's not a scheme fit doesn't mean he can't. Like I'm just not a fan of it, and I just don't think it'll you know really help them right away. And I kind of see a Jonah Williams type thing without the injuries, but look, Saints have scouts. They know what they're doing. I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust the Olave pick. I'm going to see how the petting pick goes out, but I'm just throwing it out there. If I was the GM, I was, I'm not going to do it. Uh, well, all right, let's kind of transition to another kind of topic. We're, we're going quick through these things. Uh, Shrikar named it the rich get richer. Uh, and we went back and forth on our group chat about this, about who was really the number one team that won. Uh, Shrikar had the Ravens and Jack and I had the Chiefs. So I'll let, and it's so ironic. We used to, we've gone back and forth on the Chiefs and Ravens a lot previously in the pod with it being their futures. I went with Chiefs, Jack went the Ravens. Just a little bragging rights I had to throw in there about which team had the better future. But I'll let, I'll let Shrikar start. Why were the Ravens your number one draft winner? Well, I feel like it was a toss up for one. Uh, if you want to put Chiefs at one, that's fine. I think the work that Eric DaCosta and Brett Beach did to match value with need throughout the entire draft was just, that was really good. I mean, it was, it was great on both of them. And we saw why both of those teams are consistently in the mix for a deep postseason run. And, you know, Baltimore, I'll just go over the draft classes real quick. Baltimore, it's just an absurd draft for them. You get Kyle Hamilton, Tyler Linderbaum, David Ojabo, Travis Jones, and Tyler Beatty. All guys I really like, especially Tyler Beatty. I think he'll be great in Baltimore's system, which you know really relies on the run. A huge haul for Eric DaCosta there. In Kansas City, the Chiefs brought in Trent McDuffie and George Karlaftis, along with Sky Moore, Brian Cook, Leo Chanel. It's just good teams getting better. Um, I, I literally, there's no faults in either of these teams in, in terms of this draft process. If you want to take the Chiefs at one, that's fine. I won't, I won't necessarily disagree. If I just had to make a prediction on which draft class will be better going into the future, I would bet on Baltimore. I think for Baltimore, I, you know, obviously you already named the players. I think for value and circumstance, I just have to go with Kansas City because to get – they addressed a lot of positions of need and they got them at such great prices. Like, And that's the same thing for the Ravens. The Ravens always do this best player available strategy, and it, it works, works a lot of the time. Yeah, 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 so I'm not I, like I'm I'm not gonna fault them again. It's as Shrikar mentioned. I think the Ravens were my number two, uh, but also with Kyle Hamilton, right? You're kind of getting him here, and then you have to get rid of uh, Chuck Clark, right? So that's gonna be another process. Um, but yeah, David Ojabo is really just you're banking on his production from you know the 11 and a half sacks uh, last year with the Achilles injury. My favorite pick for from the Ravens was uh, Travis Jones. I thought I wanted him really badly, and you got this guy what in like the third round i believe yeah third round, yeah, third round. uh great pick i thought he was uh the best defensive tackle besides uh jordan davis and Devonte wyatt so i had him going kudos. first round in my mock draft or in our yes. mock draft. yeah yes kudos kudos to the ravens for getting him there 
for me, the Chiefs, again, I, I, my favorite pick for the Chiefs was Leo Chanel. Uh, we went back and forth on about the linebackers. I think he, he's got NFL uh, you know, caliber pass rushing instincts for a linebacker. He can read the A and B gaps tremendously. Uh, and as Jack also you know, mentioned in our chat, he's a really great blitzer and an athlete. So great pick there. They need that. He's better than Daniel Sorensen. So good job, <laughs> Chiefs. Um, and then, yeah, Carl Laftis is going to be great alongside uh, Chris Jones down there at the edge. And then Trent McDuffie, he's really versatile. I think they're going to keep him at nickel corner. And for the Chiefs, you really need that, especially when you play these type of teams who have good slot receivers. So good haul there. Uh, and then for the Ravens, again, same thing. The rich get richer. I think yeah. just flat out, flat out W's all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I'm going to hate having to play these two teams in the AFC. <laughs> I, I think, I think. look, as of right now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think the Ravens will win the AFC North, with especially with the class that they got to. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's contingent also on Deshaun Watson's suspension, but I think we're kind of both assuming it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think the Ravens are going to win the AFC North. And didn't we have a take it was like top three in the AFC? Uh, the Ravens? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. But honestly, I can. I'm I'll, I'll make that you. argument. I'll, I'll say. Yeah, I'll, why don't we? Yeah, why don't we put there and I'll the Ravens are a top three team in the AFC. I think we're gonna go Chiefs, Bills, and Ravens. It's Bills, the team. Chiefs, Ravens for me. Or yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. I, I got Chiefs, Bills, Ravens. He's got Bills, Chiefs, Ravens. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our top three in the AFC. Yep. All right. Next up is going to be, you know, we had to talk about it. It's the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, everybody was so ready for what they were going to do with their two first round picks. What receiver was going to fall to them? And they did not take anybody in day one. Now, honestly, I wasn't surprised that they didn't take anybody with the guys that they had left. I was not surprised uh, at all. And they waited, and then they traded up with the Vikings for pick 34, and they end up taking Christian Watson, the 6'4 athletic beast out of North Dakota State. Uh, we've seen uh, some North Dakota States get uh, drafted recently uh, with yeah, one yeah, actually, yeah. with the only one that has done some NFL relevant impact being Carson Wentz uh, and some other quarterback, I don't know, number five or whatever. And, um, yeah, he's kind of mid. <laughs> we don't, no one knows about him. So. It's sorry, it's sorry. You know, I had to get some weekly Trey Lance or Kyle Shanahan's Lander. We always do it on this show. Um, but yeah, I think the Packers stayed up patient, moved up. Christian Watson, I like it. I think he's got all the tools to be a receiver one. My only thing is, you know, Rodgers loves guys that he can trust. And is Christian Watson really going to be a guy that right away Rodgers is going to look for pre-snap, going to throw to him his way every time? I don't know. Uh, I'm really kind of unsure with how this whole thing is going to go down. I think Packers fans are with me on that. One thing I will say is the guys that they got, the true Georgia Bulldogs in Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Quay Walker, I was a huge fan of. Uh, me and a couple scouts on my team both agreed that this guy is really, really solid. We liked him more than Nicobe Dean, which is pretty surprising to a lot of people. Uh, but he's a really good uh, linebacker. I think he's a better hybrid. And then, uh, you know, Devontae Wyatt, a guy that can line up alongside Kenny Clark, a guy that can line up alongside Rashawn Gary. That's a really nice defense that the Packers have going into this. And I think he's a really good help to replace uh, Zadarius Smith, just because I think Rashawn Gary is, he's Zadarius Smith with more upside. Like, I, I think that's, you know, people started to think he was a bust, but not at all. I think he's done himself some really, uh, you know, I think he's made a really good impact uh, with the reps he was given. So uh, I don't know what the line is kind of kind of look like. I think they're going to probably move Devontae Wyatt maybe out to edge, right? Uh, no, they're going to keep then, him inside with uh, Kenny Clark, I think. 
Nah, I mean, cause the, cause they, the Packers run at three, four, so you don't, you're not going to put two guys like that. No, and not Kenny Clark, so I think Kenny Clark's going to be the nose tackle. And what I'm thinking is they're probably going to put Wyatt over Dean Lowry, uh, or Jerron Reed, one of the two. Uh, and then I think, they're probably, yeah. And then they're probably going to put like a guy like, uh, Rashawn Gary as like a strong side linebacker who will play on the edge. Uh, cause he's not like a, you know, an end and then they'll probably put like uh, Preston Swit, uh, Smith weak side. So that's kind of how the Packers defense is going to work for all you Packers fans watching. Uh, but I'll let you get started. What do you think about the Christian Watson receiver pick? Do you think it was, you know, worthy of a second round, uh, selection? Uh, what upside would you give him? Do you think he's better than any of the first round guys? Take it away. Yeah. It's just, if you were a Packer fan, it was just being nervous on top of anger as it is with every draft, but look Friday, big trade with a divisional rival. We should mention, and finally, you know, a receiver, finally, it took green Bay packaging both second round picks for the Vikings to move up to 34, but Brian Gutekunst, he plucked Christian Watson and, you know, he's one of the most polarizing prospects in this draft. Um, you know, there's some people like me who love, you know, the traits, size, speed. I love what I see there. There's other people in the media that think he's really raw. He's got inconsistent hands, which I also see. But, you know, I like that Green Bay banked on his upside here. And I think Rodgers can, you know, make him good. But I think if Green Bay is going to be, you know, a multidimensional offense with a happy quarterback, because as you mentioned before, it's all about keeping Aaron Rodgers happy, the $50 million guy. They need Watson to pan out both quickly and over the long haul. So, I, I think Watson will pan out in Green Bay if I had to make a guess. Um, this was a guy that I wanted the Niners to draft at 61 a very, very, very long time ago, and he just flew up draft boards after the combine. Um, very happy for him. But, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind the Christian Watson selection. I don't mind, um, you know, taking Walker and White in the first round. I actually texted Anish. He was like, what do you think the Packers are going to do at 22 on the day of the draft? And I said, yeah. don't be surprised if it's Quay Walker at 22. And, you know, it did end up happening. But – I, I don't mind it at all. If I'm a Packers fan, you know, I'm not too mad because I think Christian Watson has some serious wide receiver one potential. And I think Aaron Rodgers can be the guy that gets it out of him. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. Kudos to you on the Quay walk. I was literally, so Jack and I were deciding between Quay and I think a receiver and in my mock draft, Traylon Burks was available. So I was like, oh, God, I can't, I cannot pass this up. Uh, but yeah, I was, I love the Quay Walker. It's a big, big up streetcar for kind of calling that uh and yeah i guess you know for the packers what it's probably going to look like is it's going to be christian watson on one end sammy watkins on another and then they'll probably have lazard in the slot is what i'm thinking uh but you know you you have upside guys like amari rogers and then where does randall cobb end up in all this it's ah. a really murky receiver room i it's thought just... they would cut randall cobb earlier in the offseason now i don't know what yeah. the... i mean you you know rogers wouldn't be happy with that so it's it's such a it's such a murky team that just really wants to stay relevant if i'm being honest i i just don't think they're gonna win a championship next year i like they'll they'll be in the i don't know if they're in my super bowl bubble i'm like i'm being straight up like i think they're contenders it's 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 a weak they, they're always going to be with a rod but like i think the bucks are better i think the rams are better again I, in the rematch i would still take s oh actually wait no not with trailing lands oh yeah okay. okay i think they're yeah i think they're probably they're probably the third best team in that in that uh conference i want to say are, is there any team that i'm overlooking um bucks rams. I mean, yeah, no I think, yeah they're probably still team three 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, they've, they've got not much to worry about. They're in a really light conference, really lucky, by the way, don't be surprised though, Minnesota, if they maybe creep up, because I, I guess to maybe round out some of our, you know, things that happened in the draft, the lions got JMO. I, I was a big fan of that. Uh, it was another kind of big winners that, uh, you know, the cold heart truth was in an agreement. Everyone's kind of liking the Falcons draft. Uh, I am too, because they got, uh, I'm going to try and pronounce it. Ebby TK. I can't know. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm always bad at pronunciations, but yeah. And then I think Ritter is actually not that bad of a selection. You got him at pick 74, like it's fine. Uh, and then, you know, I know Drake London's weird, but hey, still Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what happened in the draft. Let's go with what the one topic that did not happen in the draft. Uh, and it's not going to be the Debo trade. We talk about Debo too much. Uh, we'll wait till some more news happens. Not Odell randomly tweeting about it. Like, get get out of like get out of here, bro. Like just wants go, attention. Go, it's like yeah, you know what, man. This is this is why we. Nah, I'm kidding. He's yeah, he's a Super Bowl champ. Just had a daughter. Congrats. But yeah, let's let's go into the Baker Mayfield saga, which did not happen, and it's really I guess with the Panthers that was what the team that they were linked to. The Panthers ended up taking Matt Corral. Now, obviously, I'm the Browns fan here. I didn't expect Baker Mayfield to get traded in the draft. I had no really expectations of anything. I think this really just comes down now. It's really, if there's going to be a trade partner, it's Seattle. I, I think everybody is really just waiting on it. I just cannot see, in my opinion, a scenario where Seattle goes into a official NFL season with Drew Locke, Jacob Beeson, and Geno Smith as your quarterback room. I, I just cannot envision an NFL team doing that. That is the ultimate sign of saying, hey, we are not going to win this year. Like, I'm sorry, but that I just cannot – you know, envision something like that. And look, to give a 2023, like, fourth-round pick to get Baker Mayfield, why not? Like, I, I'm i such a Baker defender, and it's like, it's not even, like, me saying he's going to be a top-five, top-ten guy, which he does have the potential and has shown he can do. It's just like he's getting treated like he's not a quality starter at all, or not even a starter. And I'm just, I mean, I know it's the money, right? You have to pay him 19 You don't need to make a move right now, though. You don't, but it's like, I, I think, yeah, it really just comes down to it really just after the draft, we only now know it's one team that can potentially get it because uh, I mean, I'll keep Carolina in that conversation. I'll talk I, about it. I, I don't think so. They, they're not going to pay, you know, Matt Corral first round quarterback. Or, ooh, actually, they're not paying him that money. Sorry. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, the 18 mil. They're just not going to pay 36 mil for Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. I just can't see that. Yeah, I, I mean, Andrew Barry, he decided not to trade Baker Mayfield this weekend, and now we're just going to wait. And if Barry is smart, we wait until some point within training camp. And, you know, the Browns have Deshaun Watson, but don't know whether he's going to play the entire season with a possible suspension looming. We talked about it before. Right, but they paid money for quarterbacks for that situation. They gave Barry money. I'll I'll say this. Mayfield, you know, He's not going to be happy taking the field in Cleveland, but you can at least audition. I mean, there's the opportunity is still there if you wait into training camp to see what you got. Barry can just wait until another team's quarterback gets injured, and then Cleveland has leverage to get better draft comp. But right now, only the Seahawks and Panthers make sense. Seattle, you said before, but also Carolina's already short on draft capital next year, and you trade a future third to the Patriots for Matt Corral. Seattle needs someone to compete with Drew Locke or replace him. I don't know if the need is there to make a move right now, though. You can if you want. You can take a flyer. If the Browns are smart about this, 
Mayfield is going to have to wait before being traded. And I think Andrew Barry is going to play it out that way. And potentially because, you know, something big will happen. Maybe a quarterback goes down and that's where an opportunity just comes up and, you know, a team will be desperate enough to trade for Mayfield there. So I think that's, what's going to happen. Yeah. First of all, I don't think it was Barry not wanting to trade Mayfield at the draft. I, I think it's just teams didn't want to trade for Mayfield at the draft. Uh, but you guys, I mean, Shrigar and Jack know, uh, all my friends know, my favorite executive and the guy that I just look up to in this league, it's that guy, Andrew Barry. I love that dude to death. I mean, this guy changed the course of my franchise. I will always love him. And I, I trust him. The whole Browns motto is, in Barry we trust. And um, I think you're right, Shrigar. I agree with you. I think they wait this out. Uh, and you brought up a really good point. If quarterbacks gets injured now, it's all on the table, right? This yeah. this is a quality guy that you're only really putting a year rental for, right? You can give a contract later, and you don't have to give him really a max extension. Nope. Yep. So I think, you know, Baker is the perfect type of guy. He's already used to having to learn new systems. So what's one more, right? I mean, he's learned four different systems in four years. So it's not like the dude hasn't done that. Um, again, I, I'm going to still say Seattle, I'm going to rule out Carolina though, but if there's a quarterback injury, you know, I, I don't know, like, uh, for the giants of like Daniel Jones gets injured during training camp. Why, why not? You didn't pick up Daniel Jones fifth year, right? Like there's so many places where an injury away can just maybe, you know, cause another trade. Uh, but as of right now, I think we're both in consensus. They wait this out. Maybe he goes in far into training camp. And I, I do see that. I, I think this goes maybe into June or July. Uh, but one thing is for certain. And one thing I will say Baker Mayfield will not show up to any Browns uh, practices or training. He just will not. And I, if he does, it's going to mess up the entire chemistry. It's just going to be so awkward in that locker room, right? Because we didn't really see Browns players go out publicly and make, you know, make it known that, hey, we're Baker defenders, which I'm really disappointed in. I, I thought people would do that. I mean, I saw Miles Garrett say a little bit of stuff, but a little bit disappointed in that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, one thing is for certain Baker Mayfield will not be in a Browns uniform next year and he will not, uh, attend any of our mandatory or optional, uh, you know, camp activities. Yeah, he's gone. He's yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be our episode for today. A lot of draft content, uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to see a lot of these guys, you know, in action soon with training camp and OTAs. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we talked about your team and, uh, if we didn't, please let us know in some comments down below with some questions, uh, we'll try and get to all of them. Uh, and again, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. Go, uh, be, you know, don't feel afraid to check out our TikTok and Instagram down below in the description. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys. Uh, we've been the Cold Our Truth NFL podcast and we will see you next time.